Welcome to Sensuous, a podcast where we have authentic conversations built around your questions on life, biblical Christianity, and occasionally completely random topics. Now here's your hosts, Ben Farley and Ben Van Hyden. Hey everyone, and welcome back to Since You Asked. Uh, my name is Ben Farley. I'm here alongside my co-host, Ben Van Hyden. Good morning, Ben. Morning. How's things going today? You know what? It is, this is one of the best days that I can remember, um, you know, aside from my wedding day, the birth of my children, all those great landmark days. Sure. I'm just speaking weather-wise. Um, so I'm kind of weird when it comes to weather. Um, I love spring. Spring is, during fall, I always think, oh, it's my favorite time of year. And then spring comes and I'm like, no, it's it's spring. But there's two separate things that happen in spring that I love, and today I got both of them. So I love rain, but not like the cold driving rain, like that's just gross right. and you can't be outside. Right. I love the spring rain where it's warm, but it's still raining, and it's just, I don't know, if there's just this weird thing that happens, and it goes perfectly with my favorite YouTube station, which is Coffee Shop Jazz. Actually, not just Coffee Shop Coffee Shop Jazz rainy day coffee shop jazz. Whoa. So I don't know how I got that specific, but I listened to that, and I'm telling you, I am 20 times more productive. So I was able to to listen to that this morning, and then now it's like 72 and sunny. It is beautiful outside so, right now. So I'm hitting both of them today. So yeah. it's just a phenomenal day. Yeah. I, I don't enjoy rain as much as uh, other people do. Yeah. Rain craw creates mud. Mud creates a mess. I can't get my yard mode. You know things like that. Yeah. But I do. I do enjoy listening to a good thunderstorm oh, as long it. as there's no threat to my health or my home. <laughs> yeah. Uh, th- that that that. So I get that. I get the rainy day thing. And now, like you said, you get to enjoy some. Although the, I uh, when I was outside a while ago, the wind was picking up. Yeah. And that's not that's, as fun. That seems to always come in the spring. Though. But you can fly a kite. You I mean, fly. so you can always. <laughs> Uh, okay. You can always look at the bright side. Okay. No, now, kite now, now I, when it's raining, I don't think I don't get to mow my yard. I'm thinking I don't have to mow my yard. I have to now. mow my yard. So, you yeah. know, there's there's a bright side, a silver lining to everything. With the kite, though, you mentioned the kite. Do you? Has anyone ever successfully flown a kite? It's impossible. I think since Ben Franklin, yeah. no one. I mean, we've bought our kids kites before, yeah. and they just get destroyed in the wind. Yep. We don't know how to fly them. Yep. It, they get hung up in the electrical wires, and they hang there for the next three seasons until the, you know, the string rots and they fall. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, so I don't know that anybody has ever. Maybe that's something we should work on. Maybe we should try to fly a kite later. Yeah. Let us know. Let us know in the comments if you that successfully be, have flown a kite or video. It didn't or video if that. You didn't yeah. video it. Yeah. So I think kites are definitely one of those things that you get what you pay for. Yeah. So okay. my kids love Dollar Tree. And so shout out to Dollar Tree, although it's like dollar fifty tree now right, or whatever. Right, um, right. I have an issue with that. But right. uh, so my kids every once in a while will say, "You can go to Dollar Tree and pick out like two toys because it ends up being you know three dollars or whatever now." Um, and so every once in a while, my kids will pick out a kite. 
when they pick out a kite from Dollar Tree, you know you're gonna get about 17 seconds of fun because what happens is the kite, first of all, is just garbage. Right. Uh, you know, I think right. it's recycled uh, Dollar Tree bags that they've <laughs> knit together and, and slapped a character on. But yep. the string is so thin yeah. that you can't see it. And so you're trying to get it, and I have a lot of kids. I have four kids. Three of them can can walk. They're old enough to, to move around, which means one of them is trying to fly the kite. I'm trying to help them. The other two are running around in the yard, tripping over the line, Right. and it never ends up working. So, nope. you know, 17 seconds, the kite breaks, and that's the end of the kite thing. So I think kites are something you get what you pay for on that. I, I'm, I'm convinced Ben Franklin had to have had, like, Betsy Ross sew him. Right. Uh, a proper kite because there's no way I've never seen a kite actually fly. Yeah. I've never seen anyone actually successfully fly a kite. So anybody that could prove that, that kites really are a thing yeah. and that people do fly them for real. Yeah. Are kites real? Is that one of, is I don't one know of those conspiracies? I think, uh, I, I gotta believe that that would be, <laughs> that would be the case. Cause, uh, as a dad, I've tried several times. So I've seen the, maybe you've seen this website. Um, birds aren't real. Have you ever seen, like, there'll be some big event, and there's always that one kook that is, like, has the sign that yep. says birds aren't real? And and you need to go to the website because it's just hilarious. This is not a plug for them. Like, we condone what they're doing, but it is funny because it's it's just hilarious. And I'm starting to think that could be the same thing with kites. Birds are kites real? aren't real. Are kites real? I, let's start. I think we start a website. It's got to be some government. Kites aren't real. So They aren't real. So... Let us know um, if you yeah. have successfully flown a kite because you have the patience of of ten of us apparently. Friendly. So yeah, <laughs> the only other person to ever actually <laughs> successfully fly a kite, and he got electrocuted. So what does that tell you? That, that tells Stay you away a lot, right there. So speaking of just days in general, one of the things that I have heard on the radio or heard on different shows is there is like this phenomenon. I don't know, I don't know if this is a new phenomenon. But there's a national day for everything. And it's a lot of pressure for people because not only now are you supposed to know when all of these national days are. Exactly. You're supposed to celebrate those in some fashion. Like if if somebody is attached to you that is a part of whatever demographic or whatever is being celebrated, you're supposed to know that. And, And it's just, it's getting out of hand, to be quite honest. So we looked up. Some of the national days of today. So today is Tuesday, May 3rd. Ben, Yeah. it is national what day? It is national custard, chocolate custard day. Not any custard, but national it's custard chocolate, day. Yeah. Today happens to be national lumpy rug day. Oh. Um, I celebrate that every day with four kids. That parents. apparently it has to do with the fact that people love to celebrate that they use their old uh, rugs rather than buying new rugs. Okay. Or that... The other meaning is we sweep things under the rug, so we end up with a lumpy rug. So oh, we, it's like passive-aggressive day. Kind of a passive-aggressive, lumpy uh-huh. rug day. Today's Montana Day. Uh, st- they started a calendar several years ago uh, that where they feature a state and some of the interesting things wow. within that day. So today is Montana Day. So well, shout out to you know all of our Yellowstone fans. There's got to be a ton of Montana listeners right now. Tons of them uh, looking up at their... You know, the big sky. Yeah. Today we celebrate you, guys. Yeah, we celebrate you in Montana. Today happens to be uh, Raspberry Popover Day. So we're going to search around to see if we could find a national Raspberry Popover. Which, which, what is a popover? I'm not exactly sure. Is Uh, it like a Pop-Tart? I feel like it's like a Pop-Tart, but 
people who are bakers are going to crush us with that. Yeah. I can tell you right now. I've heard of turnovers. They earn their name by characteristic popping over the edge of the pan as they bake. They do look wonderful. National popovers are apparently sweeter than a lot of other things that you could eat. So there's there's that. Um, And today... I know would be particularly like special for you. Uh, today is National Teacher Appreciation Day. You know, I am married to a teacher, um, so shout out to my wife Janelle, best teacher I know, by the way. Absolutely, um, and and just the most beautiful teacher I've, I've ever seen. Absolutely. Um, so we'll see if I can cash that in. You know, later. Later. Yeah. But uh, no, she she does an excellent job. And and one one of the things that our children's minister here at Christchurch did was put out. A, a post like, hey, tag your favorite teacher. It's amazing how many teachers we have just in our congregation. Yep. Um, and so, yeah, if you're listening, you're a teacher. Uh, I, I know from living with a teacher, that's a tough job. Uh, you deal with a lot, and I feel like it is increasingly yep. more stressful. Yep. And so, in all sincerity, thank you for what you guys do. Yep. Um, I, I know sometimes that is a thankless job. Uh, but if you've spent any time in a classroom, you know how uh, underpaid, how <laughs> undervalued they can be. Yeah. And so, yeah. Uh, not here, not on this podcast. You are valued. We can't pay you. Right. But you are valued. Yeah, Just know that. Absolutely. So. Yeah. And she, I mean, the response that she got on that particular post is really amazing. And and anywhere from preschool teachers to to grade school teachers, high school teachers, homeschool teachers. Yep. Man, that you are valued as well to take on the task of, of leading those your children, and so yeah, I'm very impressed. Our 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 church is blessed with good teachers. I mean, we had 90, 78 kids on this wing on our kids' wing Sunday, yeah. and during just our second service, and the people who volunteer to teach those kids and Rachel leading them uh, is really fantastic. So, yeah, it's pretty yeah, cool. We, we appreciate you. So, okay, who was your favorite teacher in your school career? Oh, man. I, I had a lot of good teachers. We, we were in a small school district, but my, probably my favorite teacher was the teacher who made me think the hardest, mm-hmm. um, uh, Mr. Wilson. He was our history teacher in high school, plus he helped coach football, plus he was a baseball coach when we were a little younger. Um, and uh, he just he was one of those guys that just – let you kind of explore your thoughts yeah. um, and use the everyday news that was going on to kind of help us understand current events and how they yeah. fit into history. So I thought he was really good. I mean, a shout out secondly to Mr. Gadbury. Mr. Gadbury was fantastic. Awesome. Uh, he lost his mind with us most mm. of the time. He yeah. was our math teacher and we were idiots. Yeah. Um, and so it's a wonder he was able to actually work until retirement. <laughs> Because of some of us, but yeah, Mr. Gadbury is a great dude. Well, I had two, um, so and both were in junior high. One, ironically, was my aunt, um, so she was my seventh and eighth grade junior high language arts teacher. Nice, um, I, di- I didn't love language arts, and I love to read, I- I'm a reader, but she just made it fun, and you know. Yeah, I, I was her favorite nephew. Sure, clearly, Absolutely. and and so I would and cash. Therefore, her favorite student. Therefore, her favorite student. Right. And it was just it was just blatantly obvious. I don't know to everybody else, but to sure. me, sure. yeah. Um, so that was just we. I really, I really enjoyed that. Um, she made things fun for us, and um, 
And then the other one was my junior high history teacher. Um, Garland Keck was his name. Garland was... Oh, Garland's a great man. Awesome. He was a great um, man, yeah. Yeah, he, he... One of those guys that he'd see you 20 years later. Yeah. Uh, it hasn't been that long, but pretty close. Uh, he'd see you 10 years later and still, you know, recall things about when you were in school, yeah. wanted to know how your life was going. Um, but, man, he was he was a tough teacher, but he was my history teacher in junior high, and I loved him. Sure. Um, he, he just, he was tough. He was intimidating at times, yep. but, uh, man, he, he was just a great teacher. So shout out to all you teachers. Thank you for what you do. Um, you, you help us get lost in our own thoughts to, to make sense of the world. And so uh, we appreciate you. So I, I think that's a, a pretty good segue into the question that we hope to answer today. Um, again, uh, you can submit a question, ben at Christ's, church.com. Whether you're a part of our church or not, you're just a listener. Um, we would love for you to send a question uh, about the Bible, about Christianity, about Jesus. Um, any questions that you have, we, we would hope to answer those questions the best we can. But there is one question that seems to pop up over and over again for the unbeliever, and the believer as well. Um, it is 11 o'clock here in Flora, Illinois, and they're testing the tornado sirens. We talked about weather. Uh, I think that's a test. We'll uh, find... we, I hope that's a test. Yeah, we'll find out here in just and a little bit. When we start talking about good things that have or bad things that happen to good people, yeah. and all of a sudden we hear sirens, yeah. uh, it's it's really an interesting. We did not plan that actually. No. I know it seems like we did. Uh, yeah. um, so so probably the primary question that. I hear asked, either asked of us or just asked on social media, uh, even more than, is the Bible reliable? The first question that people seem to ask when they're trying to make sense of, of just life in general is, if God is good, then why do evil and suffering exist? Uh, man, it's a tough question. Um, if you are If you are a believer and you've been asked that question, let me just start with this. There are times when I don't know is the best theological answer that you can give. For sure. Uh, what we don't want to do is give people false hope. Yeah. Uh, what we don't want to do is try to explain things in an anti-biblical or non-biblical way. Uh, we want to use the word to try to make sense of this life that we all live. And so I don't know is a viable theological answer. It doesn't need to stay there. Um, you need to start to explore that and start to pour into the Word and figure out uh, the answer to those questions. But in the moment, don't feel like you have to have uh, a response. And, and so uh, that's just the, the start of it. Uh, but the question, again, is how could a good God allow a world that is filled with evil? And my goodness, it is everywhere. Yeah. Uh, you, you cannot go a day, if, you've, if you are living with your eyes open to the world, you can't go a day without seeing that evil is absolutely present in this yep. world. Yep. So when you think of evil, when you think of suffering, what what types of things, what type of events come to mind? Yeah, uh, I, I think of some of the things that we've talked about quite a bit and just when the evil intentions or the evil acts of humans then affect the lives of other people around them, when they do things that are um, un- uh, I don't know what the I don't know how the word would be. Just just the types of acts that that cause people pain and suffering. Yeah. Um, you know, one historical events that occur 
make you think about that, like the Holocaust. Mm-hmm. Just watched a documentary on Netflix the other day about a, a particular man that they were uh, trying to... Uh, his name was Ivan the Terrible. He was yeah. named by uh, that at some of these uh, um, detention camps and these extermination camps back in Germany uh, during World War II. Uh, and the the visceral reaction that comes from the people who were endured those sufferings. Uh, I think of acts like that. I think of, in my lifetime, I've seen people like Timothy McVeigh, you know, drive right. a bomb into a federal courthouse in Oklahoma and killed, killing children and women and people that were innocent and that were there yeah. just doing their jobs. Um, airplanes flying into buildings on 9-11. You think about that, and that's when I, when I think of evil, those are the things that people are just intent on inflicting pain and suffering on others. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, those are those are huge. I mean, I would say September 11th for uh, Americans and and here's a here's a quick side note. We have actually had some non-Americans listen to even just our first introduction yeah. in, introductory podcast. So, uh, if you're listening to this and you're not American, uh, just know that uh, September 11th is one of those events in our history that seems, if you were alive, sticks in your mind. Sure. Um, there are certain events that you know exactly where you were, exactly what you were doing um, when when that event took place or when you heard about it. And so, yeah, th- these are all events that would, would magnify the idea that suffering and evil is present. Uh, there's others that you, you may not even really know about. Um, you look at the, the Soviet regime uh, just between 1917 and 1983. Sounds like a long period of time, but in the grand scheme of things, uh, pretty short in the, in the history of the world. You're talking 20 to 26 million people that were killed by this regime uh, in their own regime, not even, not even who they killed outside right. of their circle. Uh, this is just in their circle. You look at um, the Chinese communist regime, uh, the estimates are somewhere between 26 and 30 million people that have been killed within their own prison system. Most of those are Chinese citizens. Yeah. Uh, you look at Japan. Um, now we wouldn't see them as this uh, evil empire, but uh, back in the 1930s, early 1940s, uh, that was one of the original axis of evil. I, I think I've got that right. Yeah. Correct? Yeah. And, and so um, one of the worst acts. There, there was a lot of atrocities that were attributed to this regime, but one of the worst acts was an event that became known as the Rape of Nanking. Um, the Rape of Nanking was when the Japanese army in December of 1937 uh, raped, they tortured, they murdered over 300,000 Chinese citizens in the city of Nanking. Wow. Um, there's a, a book by Iris Chang that uh, is titled The Rape of Nanking. It, it is not a book that I would recommend if you're squeamish uh, because it is in excruciating detail. Uh, but but the acts that were, were committed by this regime were absolutely unimaginable for us in a quote-unquote civilized world today. And, and then you even look at our country. Um, the big news in the headlines today is the supposed overturning of Roe versus Wade, yeah. um, the the legislation that made re- or excuse me that made abortion legal uh, in the United States. Um, just in that legalized um, legislation alone, since 1973, there have been 58 million babies that have been killed. Um, there is no no explaining that away. There is no 
to me, and I'm sure to you as well, there is nothing that that should give us an excuse for that. Yeah. Uh, it's just evil. It's yeah. just what it is. Now, let me let me caveat it with this. There may be people that are listening to this that um, have experienced that, um, that have um, that have gotten an abortion. Um, or, or even considered it if, if they're wrestling with that. Yeah. Let me just say this. We believe in the grace of Jesus Christ to cover over um, a multitude of sins, and in, including this one. Sure. So while we are totally, totally against, to me there is no exception, totally against abortion and are thrilled with the decision, supposed decision, right. uh, to overturn, overturn Roe versus Wade, uh, we also recognize that there are real people behind this legislation that have... have uh, been a part of it, and, and to that we would say uh, that Christ is here offering forgiveness. Yeah. So we don't want to minimize that. Uh, but the reality is, is the act itself is absolutely heinous. Um, I've heard it uh, described in this way. There was an old English tactic um, that was called quartering, and what they would essentially do is tie ropes to the four limbs of the person to be killed. Um, tie it to a horse, and so a horse would have an arm, the other arm, then both legs, and they would run in separate directions and essentially tear the human apart. Um, this is this is what takes place yeah. during abortion as well. And so we say all this to give you examples of evil, but to really point you to the truth that evil is our nature. Uh, yeah. Evil is something that every single one of us is capable of. And so uh, there's no question that evil abounds, but the reality is, is if we look at it from a biblical perspective, uh, it exists in every single one of us. Yeah, and I think one of the misconceptions from people who are outside of maybe the Christian faith, or even those people when evil occurs to those who are inside and, and, and are faithful Christian followers, um, is that God? How did? How could God create evil? I think the misconception comes with that, and that God did not create evil. Mm-hmm. He created man uh, that has then performed evil evil acts. Yep. Um, and that Satan, you know, uh, we were t- discussing uh, when you t- d- taught this class a few weeks ago. You know, you made the mention that Satan, you know, is the author of evil. He is mm-hmm. the he's the one who is rebelled against God, taken from heaven, thrown out of heaven. Really, uh, hell's created for him yep. uh, specifically and his followers. And uh, so, when evil, when we talk about evil, it's not something that God created. It's something that he anticipated. He knew that evil acts would occur, but it's the human heart. Yeah. that wants to be like God. I mean, we learned that in Genesis chapters you know, 2 and 3. Yep. We understand that evil comes from the human heart. Uh, and so when you think about these kinds of things, um, abortion, I, another one kind of flashed in my mind was the, the Columbine shooting that happened mm-hmm. you know, back in 1999. I was just reading some things about it the other day. When you, when you take a human being and you you raise that human being up there's there, there's just this an innate ability inside of that person to do good or to do evil and there's no way to there's no way to um you know to kind of t- stop that from occurring that's just who we are it's just kind of what's built inside of us yeah well i, I think 
we see that in Genesis chapter 3. Um, from a biblical perspective, this is the moment when evil entered the human race. Uh, we, we see in Genesis chapter 3 that uh, Adam and Eve took of the fruit that was offered to them. Um, and, and really, this was the one piece that God said, you can't touch. Right. Um, and, and, and I would, would argue that this is the presentation of free will, right. that humans are not robots, because the sub-question that we often get in this is, why couldn't God have just created a perfect world where there was no sin, where evil didn't exist, and the reality of the story is, He did. Right. He did create a yes. world where there was no sin, but in, in order to have a world where there is love, where there is goodness, you have to have the potential for the absence of that. Right. And, and so we believe that human beings are given free will because we're not robots. Right. If you're forced to do, if you're forced to love, you're forced to obey, is that on? Is that actually love? Is yeah. that actually good? No, it's just a forced behavior. Right. And so in order to actually pursue good, to actually pursue God, you had to have the option for the absence of that. Right. And so um, the answer to the question of why couldn't God create a perfect world was, well, he did. Yeah. But we humans have chosen uh, to go against that. Yeah. And I was so in, I was so interested when I read uh, a, a lady had an article or a blog about this kind of topic. And she said, imagine buying a robot puppy at the store for your, you know, for Christmas, you get this robot puppy. And she says that robot puppy does nothing but wag its tail when you come in the room and, you know, bark and play and snuggle up to you and sits on your lap and never does anything wrong. So you love that puppy. You think that's a great thing to have, but then you go buy a real puppy and you bring that puppy into your house and it chews on your favorite slippers and it, you know, goes in the floor and makes a mess and it does all these things and but at some part of the day it comes up and licks your face at some point in the day it comes up and snuggles with you it does all those weird things do you it when that puppy who's chewed on things and made messes in the house and destroyed things when that puppy shows you love or the robot puppy shows you love which is more appreciated mm. and which is more uh which is more desired yeah. by you and and God, when He created us, created us to worship Him. Yep. He created us to obey Him. When we choose not to, it breaks His heart. Yep. When He, when we choose to, it thrills His heart. And so He, if He takes away all the ability for us to not act in good ways, He then nullifies the ability for us to also act in bad ways. Yep. So if He, so then if He also counters that with, I'm never going to allow you to do anything evil. I'm never going to allow you to act out. Then anytime you do anything good, it's only because I forced you to do good anyway. Right. right. Yep. Absolutely. So so we, we've established the fact that evil exists. Um, because of Genesis chapter 3, we see that evil entered the world through one man. That's what Scripture tells us, that it entered through Adam. And because of that, that has cursed all of humankind. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're told in Genesis chapter 3 that cursed is the ground, cursed are relationships, cursed is the human life as a whole. doesn't mean that good things don't exist. Sure. Um, it's not that it is all bad, but the reality is, is that our nature that we have inherited through the decision of Adam 
is one of sin. Yeah. And therefore, we've inherited that nature, and the reality is we all act upon it. Yeah. We all act upon that sinful nature. Uh, Romans 5, 12 lays this out. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, in this way death came to all people because all sinned. Yeah. So what Scripture is laying out is that sin entered the world through Adam. We've inherited that sinful nature. We've acted upon that, and as a result, uh, we are living in a life that is cursed, and death awaits everyone. Yeah, yeah. And you can, again, if, if God doesn't create us to do good with the potential for us to do bad, how then could we ever express our desire to follow him in any in any significant way he just kind of there's the always the good that comes with the bad it's it's the it's a it's a, my, a kind of an a di- interesting way of looking at it but it's like when you when you raise your children to finally get out on their own you know that there's the potential for them to either completely go off the rails or there's the potential for them to be raised as model children but there's it's never one or the other. It's always a mixture of both, and you want to choke and you want to cheer, uh, and so we're just we're all in that kind of we're in that space where we have to kind of figure out how, what does it mean for us when we when we see evil happen in the world. It's unfortunate that I might not be acting out in an evil way. Uh, those students went to Columbine that morning, high school, with a regular day in mind, and some of them left. Uh, uh, in bags, yeah. unfortunately. I mean, those people who were Jews who just kept doing their job and kept working did not anticipate being forced onto a train and then forced into a gas chamber. Right. Those people were not acting out in evil, but others were. Yeah. So their evil spilled over. Their evil acts caused people who were good people in, in if you want to use those terms, good and bad, bad people did really bad things to good people. Um, and it's it's unfortunately the reality of of what happens when free will is yeah. exercised by really un- bad people. So let's move this to us because I think you hit on a an important point here. The question would would kind of morph to, and we see this especially when it happens seemingly in our spheres of influence. Um, why do bad things happen to good people? This is probably the hardest question because we, and I think this is human nature, we all have something that I affectionately call good old boy syndrome. Now, we live in rural areas, so if you're not familiar with the term good old boy, it simply means somebody that um, seems to be morally upstanding in our our area, Um, and and so we say they're a good old boy or they're a good old girl, and... It doesn't mean that they never sin. They never have uh, evil thoughts or desires. It's just their the public of their it. public personification yeah, is absolutely. that that's a good dude yeah. or that's a good lady. Yeah. Um, so we have yeah. no problem attributing evil or bad that title to kind of heinous criminals. I mean, you talked about Timothy McVeigh. You yeah. talk about the nine eleven bombers. We have no problem attributing evil to that. Absolutely. We have no problem attributing uh, the title of a bad person to a child sexual predator. I mean, nobody would argue that that's a good act. No, that's a terrible act. Right. And that is a bad person. But the reality is, is that we always seem to stop short of 
giving that title to people that are close to us. Uh, we, we stop short of giving that title to our parents, our kids, yeah. our spouse, close friends, mentors, much less ourselves. I agree. We don't want to give that to ourselves. We, we tend to gravitate more to the idea that they and we are both basically good. So long as we haven't crossed a certain moral line, uh, either according to our family ties, our, our cultural standards, whatever it is, um, I'll never forget this moment. So I was, this has been a couple years ago, I was at a church uh, in our area, it's a, it's a well-known one, and I heard one of the pastors say, we all agree that we are all basically good. I looked over at my wife and we're both just kind of shaking our heads. Now, I don't want to condemn the guy for one statement if he if he said the wrong thing, yeah. but the reality is is that doesn't line up with Scripture. No, not even a little. No, not even a little. Romans 3.10 says there is no one righteous, not even one. Yeah. Good luck trying to exclude yourself from that statement. Right. Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Again, it's really, really hard, I would say impossible, to find a loophole in that to where you don't fit into that criteria. Yeah. You are a, by all intents and purposes, compared to a holy God, yeah. a bad person. Yeah. I have always been struck. Uh, one of the toughest classes I took in Bible college was Romans, and I have always been struck by the, the scripture in Romans 9 uh, where Paul is writing to the church, and he says, what if God choosing to show his wrath and make his power known, bore with great patience the objects of his wrath prepared for destruction. What, who are the objects of his wrath? Us. Mm -hmm. Because he's established, and earlier the, you just read those scriptures, no one is righteous, not even one. We are the objects of his wrath. But he says, what if he did this to make the riches of his glory known to the objects of his mercy, which is also us? Right whom he prepared in advance for glory. Yeah. God God has the ultimate intent for each of us to be good. He wants he created us in a way that we're supposed to act in good ways. Mm -hmm. Sin has corrupted that. Sin gave us uh, Adam and Eve, you know, and their sin gave us this sinful nature. Uh, and we now have um, to deal with that problem. And so when I think of the terrible tragedies that could occur in my life and the difficult moments and the good things that, or bad things that could happen to me, even if I feel like I'm a good person, it is nothing short of temporary when, when you compare it to what God's wrath could be. Right. And I, I think that's a key point that's, in that's this. A, that's really important for me because I could just, God could have just flicked me off the face of the earth on the first moment I sinned and left kind of his will and, and, and not, but we're so deserving of his grace. And so, because he so, loves us so much that he extends to us mercy yeah. um, in spite of the fact that we do bad things uh, and sin and fall out of that with him. So I think that you're, you're, you're I love the point that you were, you were heading down that road of, yeah, God's wrath is way worse than anything that, yeah. the world could throw at us, even as terrible as they are. Oh, yeah. So human suffering is not the absence of God's grace. Right. Human suffering actually points us to the riches of God's grace. Yeah. Because the reality is, is if all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and I, I don't think that gets the weight that it really deserves, 
because we have, by our own choosing, have so separated ourselves from God, the the proper thing, I don't know if proper is the right word, but but what he would have been completely justified in doing would have been absolutely wiping us out. I I deserve nothing good. So the moments, and and what we don't want to do here is invalidate people's suffering to, to say, well, these bad things aren't as bad as they could be. Well, that's true. Yeah. It, it doesn't lessen the loss of life. It doesn't lessen suffering. And we're sympathetic to that because suffering is coming for everyone. Right. It's a part of life. But the the greater picture that we're trying to focus on is that the fact that we're not wiped out in the moment of our very first sin Right should highlight the grace and mercy that God possesses, the patience that he has with us. So human suffering, while extremely difficult, should actually push us closer to Christ and and what God has done through his Son, because, wow, I I deserve nothing good. Right. So I have common grace of of good things in this life, but ultimately I have... A relationship with the Father forever, if I've trusted in Jesus, yes. because of what He sent His Son. So, man, human suffering is not God's ultimate design, right? But because He is the Author of all things, He uses that for yeah. His glory. So, God yeah. did not invent evil, but rather God has repurposed evil to draw people into Him. Yeah, and you know, I always, I always kind of smile when people invoke people like C.S. Lewis and use their quotes because it makes it sound like I'm some C.S. Lewis scholar. Uh, I'm not, but I always look to him for a lot of wisdom. And, you know, he, he, his point in all of that is that pain oftentimes awakens us to God. It doesn't, it, it should not, uh, he said a lot of times our reaction is to blame God And what he said is that pain should awaken us to God. Uh, The quote that I was reading to you all ago, pain insists upon being attended. God whispers to us in our pleasure. He speaks to us in our conscience, but he shouts in our pain. Uh, It is God's megaphone to rouse a deaf world. And so what he, what I think he was trying to help us understand is that when, when suffering does happen, because it's going to happen, as you mentioned, it's going to create for us an opportunity to hear God f- through our pain yeah. so that w- so that we can understand that he's right here with us that he's attending to us he's walking with us and then you also made the point too that I think is really important for us to remember is that eternity makes the difference yeah when we suffer for those who you know Paul told the church at Thessalonica said we don't grieve as though we are unbelievers yeah we have a hope so that when we do suffer, as difficult as it may be, because we know Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior, Romans 6.23 was the scripture I was yeah. going to get to, is that the wages of sin is death, and that what we deserve, but the gift of God is eternal life. Yeah. So the believer, while through while we're going to endure suffering, can endure it in such a way that we know that there's always something better on the other side. Yeah. One of my favorite recent discoveries is a documentary called Sheep Among Wolves. Yeah. Um, it, wow. it, it speaks to the first the first volume. There's two volumes. The first one uh, speaks to the persecuted church in Iran and, and some other Middle Eastern countries. 
And there's a moment in the documentary where this guy who is a, a Christian, he's converted from Islam to Christianity, which in that culture is very, very close to a death sentence. Yeah. At the very best case scenario, you're probably going to be ostracized from your family, probably going to be removed from all of your societal norms because you've proclaimed that Christ is the Son of God, that He is the Messiah. But there's this moment where this guy, he's got a blurred out face to protect his identity. He's talking about the suffering that is happening in the church now, not not a thousand years ago yeah. in 2022. And he says that, you know, there's the there's the opportunity for me to be raped, uh, for me to be uh, just be tortured or to lose my life, up to and including to including losing my very life. But he says, compared to eternity, what is one day of torture? What is 10 days in a prison? What is 40 years in solitary confinement? I mean, to, to have that peace to know, you know what? Bring it on. No matter yeah. what happens, no matter how long it extends in this life, I'm I'm focused on eternity that never ends. Yeah. So you can you can approach pain and suffering the same way. What is 50 years of suffering compared to a million years yeah. and and that's just the beginning yeah. of an eternity walking with God. We're yeah. we're playing the long game as believers. We recognize that this life is not it. Uh, there is something greater to come and that's the life we live for. And, and what a grace that we've established I'm not a good person. My heart is naturally bent towards evil. I deserve the wrath. Wow, it highlights the magnitude of grace that is in Jesus Christ that I can be restored yeah. to a relationship with the Father and walk with him forever. Wow. Yeah, and that's yeah, you got to take a minute and take a deep breath because you do, you know, when when it's put that way it from someone who is currently running from people who really want to hurt them because of, and only because of their faith in Christ, only because of that. There's no, they've done nothing else wrong in their, in their life. Only only what they're doing that is right in their life and trying to spread the gospel. When you think about that, it's, it really is about a perspective shift or, or an old term that I use when I was in homiletics, you know, class, learning how to preach uh, the, the key word, the paradigm shift. It's, it's flipping that thing that seems obvious on its head that being tortured uh, for my faith is a bad thing. No, it's really a good thing. How do I shift that paradigm and say, if I wasn't enduring suffering, what, what, why, then I'm probably not doing something right. right. It, I'm doing something right in my faith, following Christ if I'm enduring suffering this thing. I mean, right now we're going through Hebrews 11 in our, uh, and, and I was trying to, uh, one, something that has always just struck me when I read Hebrews and especially Hebrews chapter 11 is that, you know, this, this whole chapter is about people who are, who are by faith, you know, God does this and by faith, he's blessed this person and by faith. And there's a place in here and I'm not going to find it real quick here, but he says at some point there's People are being sawn in half. People are being, you know, thrown into the sea to drown. They're being, they're being tortured and killed. And, and by faith, God has created for them this end, this mm-hmm. place. 
And so they never endured suffering, believing that they that they were only going to die and not not have yeah. that. They but they by faith they lived in such a way that allowed them the opportunity to see Jesus for all of eternity and be with him. Yeah. So why do bad things happen to good people? I think R.C. Sproul gave one of R.C. Sproul Jr. gave one of the best answers I have ever heard on that, and I still use it to this day. He says, why do bad things happen to good people? Well, that only happened once, and he volunteered. Yeah. There's nothing more that needs to be said. There is nothing good in us, but because of Christ, we can be restored to a good father. So uh, let's end with this, because the reality is there are many of you listening that are suffering. If you've made it this far, uh, you are suffering. Yeah. There is real pain. There is real turmoil. There is real life circumstances that you feel like are taking you out. The reality is, is we're called to see past the here and now. Does it invalidate your pain? Nope. No. No. Uh, and we want to be sensitive to that. Yeah. We, we've experienced suffering. We've experienced loss. It's yeah. not easy. Yeah. And I think we're both sitting at a standpoint in our in our own personal lives where we're not really dealing with it directly, but we know it's coming. Suffering's going to come. We're going to experience loss. We're going to experience a a diagnosis. We're going to experience the loss of a loved one. Whatever that looks like, it's going to happen if we live long enough. And But the reality is, is we're living for something greater. Our hope is that the, the life that is filled with suffering... Is actually just a small blip on the radar compared to an eternity where yeah. Revelation tells us doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, yeah, and I think that one one of the points that Harold Kushner made in his book, uh, "When Bad Things Happen to Good People," is when you're enduring suffering. One way you can help yourself in dealing with the pain and the suffering you're going through is not necessarily listening to people who try to explain your misfortune yep. <laughs> because what you said is so, so true. But at the same time, it's like we sometimes take the advice of the human beings around us and human beings around us are flawed too. Yeah. And so they're trying to help us through. And so when you're dealing with suffering, um, it's, I think it's really important that you understand God's word is a, is, is the source of comfort for us and that human beings can sometimes say things that make us feel worse. Yeah. And that while, while we're suffering there, I guess my point is that there's no easy answers to any of those no. questions. You said that in the very beginning of this is that we, we sometimes are, are going to be able to scratch the surface of this conversation. And so it's, if you have listened this long, I, it's, I, I appreciate being able to at least extend some of the good and the bad and why and the why not and what do I know about it Uh, and then I can only trust that God in my frailty helps me say and be a comfort to others yep suffer well trust in Christ look to eternity right it's a good formula that's a great formula that's going to do it for us on this episode the first episode 
of Since You Asked. We are, are shooting for millions more episodes for you. So, uh, hey, make sure that you do us a favor, like and subscribe to this, whether you're listening on Spotify, whether you're listening on Apple Podcasts, wherever you're at, uh, make sure you like this, make sure you subscribe to this, um, make sure you share this and leave us a review. That helps this get out uh, to climb the charts to be able to be seen by more people. We believe uh, that the Word of God has the answers to the questions that you seek. So we will see you next time here on Since You Asked. Thanks for listening to Since You Asked. Join us next time as we tackle more of your burning questions.